You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Brett Woodenberg, Chief Executive Officer of Mind Research Institute. They are the creators of ST Math, an award-winning game-based instructional software for K-12, and it's designed to boost math comprehension and proficiency through visual learning, and it's used by millions of students across the U.S. and beyond. Previously, Brett also served as Chief Operating Officer of Sapling Learning, and later the STEM Group at Macmillan Learning. Brett was also Chief Operating Officer at Gaggle and President and Chief Executive Officer at Trailblazer Learning, two award-winning learning platforms used in thousands of K-12 school districts. Brett, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to, to be talking to you. And uh, there are a thousand other things that I would rather be talking about right now. <laughs> uh, but really, it's, uh, we're still in this unescapable situation of, of the pandemic. And I usually just have to start off by asking the uh, the inevitable where were you when moment uh, where where were you when question uh, when you saw things start to uh, change all around us and what has that meant for for you and for and for Mind Research Institute? Yeah, well, it's uh, been a really interesting experience, like nothing uh, I've ever seen in my lifetime. But uh, you know, when I think back to uh, such a, a key moment for us, we uh, we refer to it here as as the Pi Day moment. Uh, so on, on March 14, as it was clear that uh, schools were going to uh, start to move into mass closure, uh, we got together um, impromptly as a leadership team over a weekend and, uh, and, and had some uh, conversations about what this meant for us. Um, obviously, it had an impact on us uh, just from a, an ongoing operational standpoint. But we're a mission-driven organization at Mind Research Institute, and so our immediate attention was, what do we do with this incredible need that's going to be created? And uh, and so we spent the next uh, hour and a half, couple hours uh, making decisions to roll out ST Math at no cost to uh, schools and individuals across the country and the globe. And uh, and it was super exciting, and it was uh, also super scary at the same time. And of course, uh, we were all going through our own mixed emotions of how uh, this thing was going to progress, this pandemic, and what effect it was going to have on our lives. We made immediate decision to shut down our office and have our employees stay safe at home uh, and uh, shelter at home and continue to work remotely. And uh, for a few of us, it's been particularly interesting. So uh, for my wife and I, who are empty nesters, our, our daughters are in college, we, uh, we uh, live on a boat um, a bit more economically here in Orange County. And uh, so our shelter at home has been uh, shall we say in a in a very uh, small space, uh, <laughs> and and our uh, two of our daughters have had to come back and spend uh, several weeks with us. So it's uh, it's been uh, quite interesting. Uh, very very many uh, number of uh, bonding moments for all of us. <laughs> I can't imagine. Wow, wow, that's heavy. Uh, so so talk a little bit about um, you know after that weekend with with your leaders. What what were the first moves that you made, and was it in response to what kind of requests were you getting from from your customers 
Well, so we um, we immediately um, created the you know technology gateways, if you will, for uh, families uh, to start to sign up, and 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 we actually did so while we were on the phone together and had a couple hundred uh, families sign up, and so you know it was just so clear that that both schools and families, um, like all of us, were just simply caught off guard by this and didn't uh, really have the resources ready uh, to go to to cover um, the needs of their students. And, you know, one of the things that we found out, and I think some recent studies have sort of validated this, is that although in most cases, many parents are comfortable reading with their children, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety about teaching math to their students. So I think it, it sort of became an elevated need of this uh, uh, massive school closures is that in most cases, we had a lot of parents uh, who just didn't feel comfortable teaching their kids. So, um, so by opening this up and allowing schools and, and families to uh, allow their children to use SD math, it helped them, I think, a great deal with their own math anxiety and uh, gave those students a chance to combat some of the uh, uh, the potential for slide uh, during this closure period. That's, that's really interesting because, um, you know, over my years of covering the education space, always focused on, this, on the students, obviously, and, and the faculty and the administration. And it was very infrequent where the topic of parents would, would come into play, especially when you're thinking about things like kind of at a district level. Uh, and now all of a sudden, uh, they seem to have become front and center, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's uh, it that that has changed, I think, immensely in terms of parents uh, having that day to day involvement in what's going on in their students' education. It literally changed overnight. And uh, so, have you changed anything when it comes to professional development? Do you have parental development now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that those are conversations that we are having right now. So um, one of the things that we had to face is that as an organization, um, though we had a homeschool offering, uh, we did not have uh, a program designed uh, in, in a mass way for all of the uh, home learning that was going to be going on. And so uh, we're working now on a roadmap that includes a number of things uh, in that respect designed for uh, parents at home because SDMA Math is very, very flexible. Uh, it is as effective in the classroom as it is at home. And though most of our uh, support resources were designed for uh, schools and districts and, and their uh, 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 resources and teachers, um, this uh, program that we're working on now and the enhancements that we're making to it are designed to help those parents as their kids may be intermittently going back to class and, and then coming home again. How about when we... You know, you see some districts are going completely remote while others are devising kind of hybrid plans. Does that affect uh, the use of your services at all? Like, you know, what the setup is uh, district by district? Yeah, I, we are seeing some new models that uh, uh, have certainly been in existence, but are getting new interest and attention. So, for example, we're seeing a lot of interest now by uh, districts to create their own virtual academies, if you will, as sort of another alternative for families um, to find different ways to uh, to serve them. And so, um, so we see that. But what for for us in terms of how ST Math works, uh, it, it's so flexible in that respect that the impact and and efficacy of the program is uh, nearly equal, whether it's, again, in a classroom or it's part of a virtual academy or it's parents using it with their students at home. And really, as we like to say, Kevin, 
it's just simple. Time on SD math is time spent learning, period. And uh, so as long as kids have access to it, and that does mean a device, and it does mean uh, a connection to the internet, uh, with those two things, uh, they are able to keep their math learning continuing. Yeah, as you mentioned that, Brett, that was kind of going into my next question, which is the uh, the idea of digital equity and the uh, the stark reality that so many districts faced, even I think districts that kind of consider themselves wealthy or, you know, not having the issues of uh, access to the internet or devices. Uh, what have you seen this spring uh, through your customers and, and through your experiences on, on, the, on the way to kind of solve this immediate problem? Yeah, you know, without a question, Kevin, what we saw right away out of the gate was that so many schools just uh, didn't have uh, equitable access devices and uh, internet connection. And we have seen from our peers uh, in the industry just some incredible efforts to try to shore that up. And, and clearly, districts and schools have been, you know, just uh, working 24-7 to, to shore it up on, on their own. But they've had some great partners step up to the plate. Um, I can think of one, you know, even just recently, uh, a good uh, partner of ours, a philanthropic partner, is uh, Verizon. And, uh, you know, they have just come out with some new technology to help with uh, rural connectivity uh, in ways that haven't been available in the past. So just some great things are happening right now. Uh, and I think uh, uh, school leaders across the, the board and uh, those of us that are in the industry realize this is a this is a uh, equity issue that's got to get solved. Uh, but for ST Math, um, you know, what's kind of interesting about our program is, uh, you know, whereas a lot of uh, types of uh, curriculum are dependent on language proficiency, ST Math is visual based. So, um, so kids have the ability to hop on immediately and uh, think deeply about mathematical concepts without needing to be able uh, to be proficient in English, for example. And uh, so essentially the math that they're seeing is, uh, is uh, in, in most programs, is only presented as words and numbers on a page. But uh, when you do that, you kind of uh, miss out on crucial opportunities to understand the meaning behind the math. So, so we use our neuroscience to help kind of shore that up. But you might think that we're designed uh, specifically for those uh, folks that are English language learners. Um, but uh, actually, the reality is we're made for all students of all levels. And uh, so that includes the 3.3 million gifted students uh, across the U.S. Uh, our program is as effective for them as it is uh, uh, for students that uh, are struggling uh, trying to learn the English language. To go back a little bit to um, you know the time spent using your product and uh, talk a little bit about any changed behaviors as a result of the the remote learning setup. Have, did you notice any differences in the way that students uh, are using it? Yeah, we actually did a little study on that to uh, to kind of see uh, what was going on. So a couple of different observations um, in looking at a couple hundred thousand students uh, that were using ST Math before Pi Day uh, and after Pi Day. Um, as we looked at what happened um, post Pi Day, what we actually found were uh, that those kids were using the program more. So um, the average uh, minutes per week went up from about 55 minutes to about 75 minutes. Uh, which is a huge deal. Um, and that's uh, for us, uh, it's really encouraging because we do know that one of the things that's really important about our program is the way that it engages students. And when students are engaged, they play SD math and they learn. How about uh, 
in terms of the use along we were talking before about parents i mean where do you see parents more involved in the with the use of the product as opposed to just saying to their kids turn it on and use it so during the time uh that we were uh signing up all these folks uh across the uh, globe uh and helping out these different families what we found out real quickly is we needed to spin up some things to help them and so we created a tremendous amount of uh, tips and videos and blog posts uh, as well as webinars and support uh, but also um, leveraged Facebook to create some uh, some pages for parents specifically um, to uh, provide them support and to kind of help give them some peer support because clearly there has just been a tremendous amount of, of angst uh, with families as they've been trying to uh, to work through this. So it's created community in a really positive way. That is interesting. I, a number of districts that I've spoken to and um, talking about what they considered uh, to be successful last spring and most were just the idea of being connected to the students uh, was considered uh, a success. And secondly, just kind of have that social, emotional uh, connection and to create that community that, that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think, again, one of, the, one of the areas that's been sort of rewarding for us is uh, just how much uh, students fall in love with Gigi the Penguin, which is the main character in SD Math. And uh, in a way, I think uh, both that and, uh, and just the, the environment that we give uh, students to, uh, to learn math in a, in a way that's not threatening, uh, but rather promotes uh, confidence uh, in their ability and gives them a, a space where they can learn and try things um, and, uh, and not feel like uh, it's a right or wrong situation, but rather a process of developing and learning deep conceptual um, understandings. That's actually a, a pretty good segue into to something else that I wanted to ask you about, and that has to do with assessment uh, and the ideas of the you know, the COVID slide and, and, and learning loss. Uh, how have you adjusted to those issues, or if, if you have at all? Yeah, it's, it's a big deal uh, to us, Kevin, because as we talk amongst our peers and, and we're starting to see some of these studies come out, you know, there's speculation that, uh, you know, just looking at past uh, tragedies um, of different uh, nature in, in across the globe in the past, we could very well see uh, students learn a half of a year to a full year of academic progress because of this. And uh, if you look at the, the downstream effect of this in terms of what happens to uh, students' uh, career uh, or college readiness, it's, it's a huge, huge impact. So this is a big, big concern, I think, for every parent and teacher out there and administrator and all of us trying to help out. Um, so, you know, for us, uh, we're really trying to do everything we can to, uh, to help schools and provide them a flexible program so that they can uh, continue to uh, provide opportunities for their students to sort of combat the uh, COVID slide, if you will, for lack of uh, a better term. Um, but this is going to go on for some time, and uh, and that's uh, I think the challenge for all of us is, you know, as we look at um, sort of the flux that uh, everybody is in right now with um, questions about uh, uh, going back to physical classrooms or hybrid weeks or uh, 
starting this, the school year remotely, um, trying to move towards in-classroom, but perhaps getting set back if there's any type of a breakout. All this uncertainty sort of leaves an opportunity for things to slide further. And I think that's why schools and districts are, are working really, really hard right now to find solutions that will work regardless of where the learning needs to take place, which I think is really smart. Is there a is there a way that we can somehow adjust the way that we assess students? I mean, especially when you look at math, right? I mean, you have the state standards. And how do we know there's learning loss if they, we didn't even have the state standards testing in the spring? Oh, goodness, um, yeah. Yep. Are there different methods or different ways that maybe we can start thinking about assessing differently? Well, I think, you know, the... Over the last few years, the rise of formative assessment has, has been, you know, quite compelling, and I think that uh, a lot of us that uh, are providing a curriculum, high-quality instruction programs uh, into K-12 understand that there needs to be a means of, of measurement and feedback for the educators and the administrators so that they can track that progress. In fact, you know, for us as an organization, it's super important because we invest quite heavily um, in studying the efficacy of our programs um, in all of our content and curriculum and the way that uh, it moves students along. And we do so at scale. Um, so we have probably over 100 different uh, studies that uh, we've performed. Um, and we've done those uh, in some cases with, with third parties at scale up to 40,000 students across the country, uh, as we did with uh, WestEd. And, you know, it's, it's tremendous to see uh, the effect that we're having with our program. Uh, but that didn't happen overnight. It happened by continuously measuring and improving and optimizing our content to get uh, better and better results. And we're not done. Um, our mission has us uh, uh, working on getting to the point where 100% of uh, all students in a classroom reach grade level proficiency every time. And that's a pretty tall order, and uh, we want to help kids all across the globe. Right, right, right. Any other um, innovations that you notice pop up as during the spring, uh, either through the use of your product or, or other technologies or ways that, that districts really kind of uh, reinvented the way they teach and learn? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we all kind of saw this uh, this mass uh, move towards uh, video conferencing as a tool um, for a sort of uh, a proxy for face-to-face -face, um, communication between teachers and students, and uh, and we certainly have been paying attention to that. Um, it's uh, it's certainly a, a tool or an element that um, uh, allows for certain types of, of learning and education to go on, and uh, and I think um, probably there are many organizations that are are looking at what place that plays within uh, instruction um, for this uh, at least near-term future, if not long-term future, in a more of a hybrid blended learning type of a setting. Yeah, yeah. So the video conferencing, uh, there's a lot of uh, the students using other um, social media tools to not only uh, follow their teachers, but to create their own lessons. Exactly. I think the, the other thing that we uh, learned, too, in talking to the educators is that those tools that were out there that were available to them um, really weren't designed for the workflows of the classroom. And, uh, and so I think, uh, you know, for these things to be super effective in facilitating uh, high quality learning in the future, um, I think uh, there's opportunity to, to change how that's being done. 
and uh, and and we're continuing to look at ways that uh, you know that we can uh, enhance our programs in light of some of these things that are are cropping up and being used uh, you know as uh, as good tools during this time. Uh, so it sounds like you you've done a lot of uh, research as you guys are wont to do. <laughs> yes, indeed. In in terms of the use of the technologies, anything in there that you can kind of look towards the future at you know i think um it depends if you're if you're looking more broadly at uh, at our industry if you're looking more uh, specifically at, at our organization um you know we we continue to you know as we look at math instruction uh, we have a particular philosophy uh, that just some of the traditional approaches and methods are not particularly effective. And as an organization that is steeped on neuroscience, uh, we look at everything very, very differently and through that lens. And, uh, and so uh, our work is not done. And as I said, we, we haven't gotten to the point where we can ensure that uh, 100% of all students uh, anywhere will reach grade level proficiency uh, every time. And so, you know, we are uh, and really have been for decades now, two decades plus, uh, working on all kinds of different innovations um, that will continue to allow us to, to move closer and closer to our ultimate goal. Uh, but the cure for math uh, is not an easy one, <laughs> and and so um, it's uh, it's just something that uh, uh, we're going to have to uh, sort of connect the dots on and uh, move the needle forward over time. Um, as much as we wish we could, uh, we could, uh, you know, just wave our magic wand and have it uh, happen overnight. Uh, but we have some tremendous things on the horizon that I'm very very excited about um, that will continue to uh, to move us closer and closer to that mission goal. And then so, I mean, despite all the current day-to-day -day madness and obstacles, um, you still feel that you're able to look at that horizon, huh? Um, you know, it, I, I see what you're saying, and, and I, I get that. Um, and, uh, you know, the interesting thing here for us is, although uh, we certainly have had to pivot because it's not been, you know, operating as usual, um, at the same time, we also know if we ever stop moving towards our, our missional goal, um, we could lose years. And, uh, and the team that we have here has come together um, specifically to, uh, to cure math. And so if, uh, if we're not making progress on it, uh, we're not succeeding ultimately. So even in the midst of, uh, of all this uh, additional work we weren't quite expecting, um, we've continued to move forward with our research too. Well, Brett, I think, uh, you know, your work is more important than it has ever been, uh, especially as we sit here and, and talk about uh, the potentials of uh, the learning loss that's going on. But uh, speaking with you, I still kind of see the glass half full. I think we can get through this and, uh, you know, maybe be better coming out of it. Absolutely. I, I do think there will be some significant changes on uh, how schools and districts make uh, some of their decisions going forward. Um, for example, I think there will be higher expectations uh, out of uh, core curriculum programs um, as well as supplemental programs, and I think a lot more focus on efficacy um, and, uh, and you know perhaps purchasing uh, less redundancies and, and being very you know, focused about the high quality instructional programs that they pick uh, and things of that nature. And so I think that will uh, will continue to uh, to shape a, a lot of the things into the near future. But 
but I have to say, Kevin, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy around to be able to be part of an organization with such a great mission and uh, doing great, uh, great things for millions and millions of kids. And uh, I've got a fantastic team here and uh, we're having a lot of fun. Uh, but indeed, as you said, we're, we're working super hard, the hardest we've ever uh, had to face before. But uh, we're doing it with a big smile on our face, helping everybody out. Well, good luck. Uh, thanks again for your work and thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Kevin. I sure appreciate it. And thanks to the listeners for uh, tuning in here to Remote Possibilities. I hope you click on for another one. I'm Kevin Hope.